Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to It's a Crime. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know it's going to be a little bit quick. I do uh, have limited time, but I wanted to bring this probable cause affidavit to you. It was released this morning in the Idaho, the student, the Idaho students case. And um, we have 19 pages to zip through of the uh, document for Brian Koberger. So I thought what I would do, I've been working on two different videos in the last couple days. This is great because it gives me a little bit more to work with. Um, and I'll be able to uh, implement that in the next couple days. So you'll see me just run through the documents here and then I'll do a little bit of deep dives now that we have new information. Okay, so let's go through it and then things that pop up in my head, we'll talk about. So let's just skip here where it says November 13th, 2022 at approximately 4 p.m. Moscow, uh, Sergeant responded to King Road and it says to assist with scene security and processing of a crime scene associated with four homicides. We know that it was later that the 911 call happened in the morning on um, Sunday morning and then by the afternoon at 4 p.m. was when Moscow uh, responded. Upon a uh, sorry, upon a arrival, the Idaho State Police forensic team was on scene, was preparing to begin processing the scene. MPD officer Smith, one of the initial responding officers to the incident, advised he would walk me through the scene. OFC Smith and I entered the King residence through the bottom floor on the north side of the building. OFC Smith and our officer, I shouldn't say officer. Uh, uh, just say Smith. Smith and I then walked upstairs to the second floor. Smith directed me down the hallway to the west bedroom on the second floor, which I later learned through Zana's driver's license and other personal belongings found in the room was Zana Kernodal's. Here after Kernodal's room, and I'll just say Zana. Just before this room, there was a bathroom door on the south wall of the hallway. As I approached the room, I could see a body later identified as Zana's laying, laying on the floor. Zana was deceased with wounds which appeared to have been caused by an edged weapon. I did a video before where I talked about the house and then I also talked about the different floors and I had questioned a few things. We'll get to that in a minute. Also in the room was a male later identified as Ethan Chapin here after Chapin, we'll call him Ethan, was also deceased with wounds later determined. And it says autopsy report provided by Spokane. And then there's a blank page, County Medical Examiner dated December 15th, 2022 to be caused by sharp force injuries. I then followed Smith upstairs to the third floor of the residence. The third floor consisted of two bedrooms and one bathroom. The bedroom on the west side of the floor was later determined to be Kaylee's. I later learned there was a dog in the room when Moscow police officers initially responded. The dog belonged to Kaylee's and her ex-boyfriend, Jack. I found out from my interview with Jack on November 13th, 2022, that he and Kaylee shared a dog. Smith then pointed out a small bathroom on the east side of the third floor. This bathroom shared a wall with Madison Mogan's, which was situated on the southeast corner of the third floor. And remember, they were found together. It's going to be talking about that. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome. We'll zip through this and then we'll be able to chit chat. Thank you so much for joining me.
Um, as I entered this bedroom, I could see two females in the single bed in the room. Both Kaylee and Maddie were deceased with visible stab wounds. I also later noticed what appeared to be a tan leather knife sheath laying on the bed next to Maddie's right side when viewed from the door. The sheath was later processed um, and had the United States Marine Corps Eagle Globe and anchor insignia stamped on the outside of it. The Idaho State Lab later located a single source of male DNA suspect profile left on the button snap of the knife's sheath. Are you are you um, surprised that this was left there? Yes or no? Let me know in the comments below. Say surprised about the sheath. As part of the investigation, numerous interviews were co conducted by Moscow Police Department officers, Idaho State Police detectives, and FBI agents. Two of the interviews included BF and DM. Both BF and DM, these are the surviving, the surviving students, were inside the King Road residence at the time of the homicides and were roommates to the victims. BF's bedroom was located on the east side of the first floor of the King residence. Um, and then says, based on numerous interviews conducted by the officers, detectives, and FBI agents, as well as my review of the evidence, I have learned the following. On the evening of November 12, 2022, Ethan and Zana are seen by BF at the Sigma Chi House on the University of Idaho campus approximately 9 p.m. on November 12 to 1.45 a.m. Remember, we were wondering what their, um, where the five hours went. Here's where it is. It says uh, from 9 a.m., sorry, 9 p.m. to 1.45 on November 13th. BF also estimated that approximately 1.45 a.m., sorry, Zana and Ethan returned to the King Road residence. BF also stated that Chapin did not live in the King residence, but was a guest of Zana's, which we know. <clears throat> um, it says, Kaylee and Maddie were at a local bar, the Corner Club in Moscow. Kaylee and Maddie can be seen on video footage. We've seen that provided by the Corner Club between 10 p.m. on November 12th and 1.30 a.m. on November 13th. At approximately 1.30, Kaylee and Maddie can be seen on video at a local food vendor called the Grub Truck at 318 South Main Street in downtown Moscow. The Grub Truck live streams video feed from their food truck on the streaming platform, uh, Twitch, which is available for public viewing on their website. Thank God for that. This video was captured by law enforcement. A private, a private party redacted reported that he provided a ride to Kaylee and Maddie at approximately 1.56 a.m. from downtown Moscow in front of the grub truck to the King Road residence. DM and BF both, both made statements, so the roommates made statements during interviews that indicated the occupants of the King Road residence were at home by 2 a.m. and asleep or at least in their rooms by approximately 4 a.m. This is where it gets very interesting. This is with the exception of Zana, who received a DoorDash order at the residence at approximately 4 a.m., Law enforcement identified the DoorDash delivery driver who reported this information. DM stated she originally went to sleep in her bedroom on the southeast side of the second floor. In my last video, uh, a few videos back, I, where I laid out the, the house, I had wondered where was that, who was in that second floor because it was, we thought, vacant, right? Because we thought the girls were on the first floor 
And now it's saying she originally slept in her bedroom on the second floor. So we had that. Um, I wish I had, I might have it in here. I can't remember if I have it. Let's just look. And if not, that's okay. We'll just walk through it and I'll do a deep dive on it. As you guys know, I like to dive into this anyway. <laughs> All right. So DM stated she originally went to sleep in her bedroom on the southeast side of the second floor. DM stated she woke, she had woken at approximately 4 a.m. by what she stated sounded like Kaylee playing with her dog in one of the upstairs bedrooms, which were located on the third floor. A short time later, DM said she heard who she thought was Kaylee say something to the effect of there's somewhere there's someone here. A review of records obtained from a forensic download of Zana's phone showed this could also have been Zana as her cell phone indicated she was likely awake and using TikTok at approximately 4.12 a.m. So this is very interesting as well because we've been here in between 3 and 4 and now we have cell phone from Zana at 4.12 and she ordered a, um, not skip the dishes, what was it? We have skipped the dishes here. Can't remember what I just said. <laughs> anyway, she ordered food. Um, okay. DM stated she looked out of her bedroom but did not see anything when she heard the comment about someone being in the house. DM stated she opened her door a second time when she heard what she thought was crying coming from Zana's room. DM then said she heard a male voice say something to the effect of, it's okay, I'm going to help you. Now, just a, a side note here, you guys, if you could comment on the things I'm talking about rather than what's coming in the future document, that would be really awesome. Everybody can have a, a chance to chat, you know, back and forth of these each points. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Um, welcome to those who are just coming in. Nice to see you. Yeah, I just got to go through this as quickly as possible so we can get through it and then we can chit chat. DM stated she looked out of her bedroom, but okay, great. So the male voice said something to the effect of, it's okay, I'm going to help you. At approximately 4.17 a.m., a security camera located at 1112 King Road, a residence immediately to the northwest of their house, picked up distorted audio of what sounded like voices or a whimper followed by a loud thud. A dog can also be heard heard barking numerous times starting at 4.17 a.m. And remember, we were talking about, um, or we were wondering about the dog. The security camera is less than 50 feet from the west wall of Zana's bedroom. DM stated she opened her door for a third time after she heard the crying and saw a figure clad in black clothing and a mask that covered the person's mouth and nose walking towards her. DM described the figure as 5'10 or taller, Male, not very muscular, but athletically built with bushy eyebrows. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The male walked past DM as she stood in a frozen shock phase. The male walked toward the black sliding glass door. Sorry, back, not black. Back sliding glass door. DM locked herself in her room after seeing the male. DM did not state that she recognized the male. This leads investigators to believe that the murderer left the scene. Okay. The combination of DM's statements to law enforcement review of forensic downloads of records from BF and DM's phone and video of a suspect videos described below leads investigators to believe the homicides occurred between 4 o'clock, so 4 a.m. and 4.25 a.m. This is interesting, especially with the comments or the video of 3.45 of a vehicle speeding that matched or looked like the uh, vehicle of the Hyundai Elantra, right? There's lots of things coming into play now. I am going to dissect it and I will put it in my uh, infamous timelines <laughs> that I love to do. And you guys uh, can see it all put together. During the process of the crime scene, investigators found a latent shoe print. Yes. This was located during the second processing of the crime scene by the ISP forensic team by first using presumptive blood test and then amino black, a protein stain that detects the presence of cellular material. The detected, the detected shoe print showed a diamond-shaped pattern similar to the pattern of a Vans-type shoe sole just outside the door of DM's bedroom located on second floor. Really wonder at this point if it matches the size of Brian's shoe, don't you? And also, um, if he wears bands or something similar. This is consistent with DM's statement regarding the suspect's path of travel. As part of the investigative uh, investigation, an extensive search commonly referred to in law enforcement as a video canvas was conducted in the area of the King Road residence. This video canvas was to obtain any footage from the early morning hours of November 13th in the area of the King Road residence and surrounding neighborhoods in an effort to locate the suspect or suspect's vehicle traveling to or leaving from the King Road residence. This video canvas resulted in the collection of numerous surveillance videos in the area from both residential and business addresses. I have reviewed numerous videos that were collected and have had conversations with the other MPD officers, ISP detectives and FBA FBI agents that are similarly reviewing footage that was obtained. A review of camera footage indicated that a white sedan hereafter suspect vehicle one was observed traveling westbound in the 700 block of Indian Hills Drive in Moscow at approximately 326 a.m. and westbound on Steiner Ave at Idaho State Highway 95 in Moscow at 328, two minutes later. On this video, it appeared suspect vehicle one was not displaying a front license plate. Just going to let you know that 
uh, I, the timeline that I was working on uh, for his vehicle, it, he did license, he did register it um, to Washington the week after this happened, five days after. A review of footage from multiple videos obtained from the King Road neighborhood showed multiple sightings of suspect vehicle one starting at 329 and ending at 420. This, these sightings show suspect vehicle one make an initial three passes by the house and then leave via Walenta Drive. Based off my experience as a patrol officer, this is a residential neighborhood with a very limited number of vehicles that travel in the area during the early morning hours. Upon review of the video, there are only a few cars that enter and exit this area during this time frame. Suspect vehicle one can be seen entering the area a fourth time at approximately 4.04 a.m. It can be seen driving eastbound on King Road, stopping and turning around in front of 500 Queen Road number 52, and then driving back westbound on King Road. Don't worry, I'll have maps for you in my future video. Um, the vehicle then, con con sorry, uh, okay, when suspect vehicle one is in front of the King Road residence, it appeared to unsuc unsuccessfully attempt to park or turn around in the road. The vehicle then continued to the intersection of Queen Road and King Road, where it can be seen completing a three-point turn and then driving eastbound again down Queen Road. Suspect vehicle one is next seen departing the area of the King Road residence at approximately 420 at a high rate of speed. The vehicle is next observed traveling southbound on Walenta Drive. Based on my knowledge of the area and review of camera footage in the neighborhood that does not show suspect vehicle one during the time frame, I believe that the vehicle likely exited the neighborhood at the Palouse River Drive, hopefully I said that right, and Con Conestoga Drive. Um, the drive, Palouse River Drive is at the southern edge of Moscow and proceeds into Whitman County, Washington. Eventually, the road leaves to Pullman, Washington, where we know Brian lives. Pullman, Washington is approximately 10 miles from Moscow. Both Pullman and Moscow are small college towns and people commonly travel back and forth between them. In my last video, one of the videos, I said that it's normal. It was not abnormal for students from Pullman to go to Moscow because they believe that the bars are better there and they go and party there. Law enforcement officers provided video footage of suspect vehicle one to forensic examiners with the FBI that regularly utilize surveillance footage to identify the year, make, and model of an unknown vehicle that is observed by one or more cameras during the commission of a criminal offense. The forensic examiner has approximately 35 years in law enforcement experience with 12 years at the FBI. His specific training includes identifying unique characteristics of vehicles and uses a database that gives visual clues of vehicles across states to identify differences between vehicles. Hello. <laughs> After reviewing the numerous observations of the vehicle, the forensic examiner initially believed that the vehicle was a 2011 to 2013 Hyundai Elantra. Upon re further review, he indicated also could be a 2011 to 2016 Hyundai Elantra. As a result, investigators have been reviewing information on persons in possession of a vehicle that is a 2011 to 2016 white Hyundai Elantra. And we now know that Brian drives a 2015 Hyundai Elantra. Investigators were given access to foot video footage on the Washington State University campus located in Pullman. A review of the video indicated that approximately 2.44 a.m. on November 13th, a white sedan, which was consistent with the description of the white Elantra known as Suspect Vehicle 1, was observed on WSU 
surveillance cameras traveling north on Southeast Nevada Street at Northeast Stadium Way. At approximately 2.53 a.m., a white sedan, which is consistent with the Elantra, was observed traveling southeast on Nevada Street in Pullman towards SR-270, which connects to Pullman, Washington, to Moscow, Idaho. This camera footage from Pullman was provided to the same FBI forensic examiner. This examiner identified the vehicle observed in Pullman as being a 2014 to 2016 Hyundai Elantra. Now, uh, I'm going to make more comments about this, but it is so interesting to me. Uh, if this is Brian, allegedly, uh, some of the things that have occurred in here, we'll talk more about that because I just find this interesting, um, his behavior. At approximately 5.25 a.m., a white sedan, which was consistent with the description of suspect vehicle, was observed on five cameras in Pullman, Washington, and on WSU campus cameras. The first camera recorded the white sedan was located at 1300 Johnston Road. The white sedan was observed traveling northbound on that road, which leads directly back to that drive in Moscow, that West Palouse River Drive, which intersects that other drive that I said, Conestoga, Conestoga, don't know how you say it. I'm sure you guys will let me know. The white sedan was then observed turning north on Bishop Boulevard and northwest on SR270. Now they have a map on here, but it is terrible. Like you can't, it, you can't, you can't see anything. I'll have to redo this. Um, at approximately 527, the Elantra was observed on cameras traveling northbound on Stadium Way at Nevada Street, Stadium Way at Grimes Way, Stadium Drive at Wilson Road. You guys are probably like, I don't know the drives. Okay. So, but basically it's all matching up back to WSU. Okay. So let's keep going. On November 25th, so this is almost two weeks after, uh, MPD asked area law enforcement agency to be on the lookout for a white Hyundai Elantra. December 7th is when they announced it to public. November 25th is what they were looking for. On November 29th at approximately 1228, Washington State University police officer Daniel Tiango queried white Elantras registered at WSU. As a result of that query, he located a 2015 white Elantra with Pennsylvania license plate LFZ8 or Z for Americans, <laughs> 8649. This vehicle was registered to Brian Koberger, hereafter Koberger residing at this Valley Road apartment, um, which is three quarters of a mile from the intersection of Stadium Way, so really close to where they saw his vehicle. Now, side note, that's, he had the Pennsylvania license plate and then um, he he registered the car. Um, I got to remember the date though. That was, I thought that was before. Well, they pulled it on that and then there was another one because his birthday was on the 21st. So I believe it was on the 19th that I have on my timestamp that said that he had went in and changed the registration to his vehicle. The same day at approximately 12.58 a.m., um, Officer Curtis Whitman was looking for a white Hyundai Elantra and located a 2015 Elantra in the parking lot of where Brian lives. And then it talks about the housing. It houses students. Officer Whitman also ran the car and it returned to Koberger with a Washington tag. There we go. I reviewed Koberger's Washington State driver license information and photograph. This license indicates that he's a white male with a height of six feet and weighs 185 pounds. Additionally, the photograph of Koberger shows that he has bushy eyebrows. 
did you guys see, let me know in the comments, did you see his um, body cam footage of when he was pulled over? Interesting. Additionally, the photo photograph of Koberger shows that he has bushy eyebrows. Koberger's physical description is consistent with the description of the male DM saw inside the King Road residence on November 13th. Further investigation, including a review of Leta, hopefully I'm saying that right, County Sheriff's Deputy CPL Duke's body cam and reports show that on August 21st, Brian Koberger was detained as part of a traffic stop that occurred in Moscow, Idaho. And that is in my next video. And that would have been failure to wear a seatbelt, which is also interesting because the next day, I believe it was that day or the next day is when he started classes at Washington State. At the time, Koberger, who was the sole occupant, was driving a white 2015 Hyundai Elantra with Pennsylvania plates, which was set to expire on November 30th. During the stop, which was recorded via law enforcement body camera, Koberger provided his phone number as redacted, and then the last digits 8458, here after the 8458 phone as his, cell, as his cell phone. Investigators conducted electronic database queries and learned that the 8458 phone number is associated, uh, sorry, is issued by AT&T. Now backstrap. Backtracks. Um, ooh, Leta is correct. Boom. <laughs> okay. They found the sheath, the sheath at the at the scene. Rambo is asking. They found the sheath. So I'm I'm curious about that. That surprised me a little bit. Um, on October 14th, 2022. So now we're backtracking a month. Brian, again, was detained as part of a tra traffic stop by a WSU police officer. Upon review of that body cam and report of the stop, Koberger was the sole occupant and was driving a white 2015 Hyundai Elantra with Pennsylvania plates. Now, what's interesting to me is he is in, in criminology. He's going through all this. It's all about the law. And over and over and over, it seems like Brian's breaking laws. That's his pattern. On November 18th, so this would have been five days after, according to Washington State Licensing, there we go, 18th, Koberger registered the 2015 White Elantra with Washington and later received a Washington plate. Prior to this time, the 2015 White Elantra was registered in Pennsylvania, which does not require a front license plate to be displayed. This was learned through communications with a Pennsylvania officer who is currently certified in the state of Pennsylvania similar to British Columbia and Alberta in Canada. Um, one in BC, you need both and in Alberta, you don't. Based on my own experience of communication with Washington law enforcement, I know that Idaho and Washington require front and, oh, front and back place to be displayed. There you go. <clears throat> Investigators believe that Koberger is still driving the 2015 White Elantra because his vehicle was captured on December 13th by a license plate reader in Loma, Colorado. Um, Koberger's Elantra was then queried on December 15th by law enforcement in Hancock County, Indiana. Now, side note, I looked at the calendar of, of Washington State University, and they had exams from the 12th to the 16th. So it's interesting to me, was his exams just on the 12th? And then it was all good from that, because on 13th, he's already in Colorado. You know what I'm saying? So I'm curious about that. Uh, December 9th is when they got, they finished their semester and then 12th to 16th was the exams. And then here was the 13th and he's already on the road. 
I'm curious as to when his dad came out, because for those of you who know or don't know, his dad flew out and then they were driving together. Okay, here we go. Um, on December 16th at approximately 2.26 p.m., surveillance video showed Coburg's Elantra in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania. And now during this little trip across the country, which reminds me of Letitia for some reason, um, without the body, during this, they were pulled over twice and FBI contacted state police to yank him over. And he got pulled over twice without getting any citations for following too close. Interesting in what he says in there. And we'll go, we'll go through that in another video. But it's interesting, both what his dad and Brian says throughout there. And his dad kind of talks over Brian. And some of their answers are just very interesting. Okay, here we go. Um, bum, 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 bum. and I'm going to side note this as well. When they pull, when they pull him over, they, this is the perfect opportunity for police officers to talk to him because it's not in the, Hey, I need to talk to you. I think you did something. It's, Hey, you no, know, it's a traffic stop. Let's talk to this guy a little bit, see his demeanor, see what's going on. See, like there's, it's perfect. It's perfect for them. That, I mean, that's a, it's a good opportunity. So, um, now, it says, based on information provided by the WSU website, Koberger is currently a PhD student in criminology at Washington State University. Pursuant to records provided by a member of the interview panel for Pullman Police Department, we learned that Koberger's past education included undergraduate degrees in psychology and cloud-based forensics. These records also showed Koberger wrote an essay when he applied for an inter internship with the Pullman Police Department in fall of 2022, would love to know the date. Koberger wrote in his essay, he had an interest in assisting rural law enforcement agencies with how to better collect and analyze technical, technological data in public safety operations. It's kind of like his survey that he did in May, months before, asking, you know, interesting questions. The survey asked for participants to provide information to understand how emotions and psychological traits influence decision-making when committing a crime. Oh, that's, sorry, I missed that part. That's that's talking about the study. Um, as part of the investigation, law enforcement obtained search warrants to determine cell devices that utilize cellular towers in close proximity to the residents on November 13th, between three and five. After determining that Koberger was associated to both the 2015 Elantra and the phone, investigators reviewed these search warrant returns. A query of his phone in these returns didn't show that the phone util, uh, utilizing cellular tower resources in close proximity to the King Road residence between three and five. Well, um, I would hope he wouldn't be that dumb, allegedly. Based on my training, experience, and conversations with law enforcement officers that specialize in the utilization of cellular telephone records as part of investigations, individuals can either leave their cell off at, uh, sorry, their cellular telephone at a different location before committing a crime or turn their cellulars off prior to going to a location to commit a crime. This is done by subjects in an effort to avoid alerting law enforcement that a cellular device associated with them was in a particular area where the crime is committed. I also know that on numerous occasions, subjects will survey an area where they intend to commit a crime prior to the date of the crime. 
Depending on the circumstances, this could be done a few days before or for several months prior to the commission of a crime. We did hear uh, recently about uh, about Brian tracking these guys or being in around this area. This will all come out in 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 what do you call it? Um, further down the line in the discovery. Okay, during these types of surveillance, it is possible that an individual would not leave their cell phone at a separate location or turn it off since they do not plan to commit the offense on that particular day. On December 23rd, I applied for and was granted a search warrant for historical phone records between November 12th at midnight and November 14th at midnight for the this his phone held by the phone provider AT&T. On December 23rd, pursuant to that search warrant, I received records for that 8458 phone from AT&T. These records indicate that the phone is subscribed to Brian Koberger at an address in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania, and the account has been opened since June 23rd, 2022. Interesting. So he opened it, registered it as being there. I wonder if it was a Pennsylvania area code or if it was Washington. These records also include historical cell site location information for the 8458 phone. After receiving this information, I consulted with an FBI special agent that is certified as a member of the cellular analysis of the CAST team. Members of CAST are certified with the FBI to provide expert testimony in the field of historical CSLI and are required to pass extensive training, um, blah, blah, blah. Um, Okay, from the information provided, I was able to determine estimated locations for his phone from November 12th to November 13th, the time period authorized by the court. On November 13th at 2.42 a.m., the, uh, the phone was utilizing cellular resources that provide coverage to 1630 Northeast Valley, apartment G201 Pullman, here after the Coburger residence. At approximately, so five minutes later at 2.47 the phone also uh, utilized cellular resources that provide coverage southeast of his residence, consistent with the phone leaving Brian's residence and traveling south through Pullman. So 247, he decided to go for a little drive. This is consistent with the movement of the white Elantra. At approximately 247, the phone stops reporting to the network, which is consistent with either the phone being in an area without cellular coverage, the connection to the network is disabled, or the phone is turned off why even have it on leaving and not leave it there is my question. I mean, he's a criminal, he's a, a student and not a dumb student to get to where he is. Let me know what you think. The 8458 phone does not report the network again until approximately 4.48 a.m. Sounds like Barry Marshall at which time it utilizes cellular resources that provide coverage to ID State Highway 95 south of Moscow, Idaho, near Blaine, Idaho. Between 450 and 526, the phone utilizes cellular resources that are consistent with the phone traveling south on ID State Highway 95 to Genesee, I think that's how you say it, maybe, Idaho, and then traveling west towards Uniontown, Idaho, and then north back to Pullman. At approximately 5.30, the phone is utilizing resources that provide coverage to Pullman, Washington, and consistent with the phone traveling back to Brian's residence. The phone's movements are consistent with the movements of the white Elantra. That is observed traveling north on Stadium Drive at approximately 5.27 a.m. Based on a review of the phone's estimated locations and travel, the phone's travel is consistent with that of the white Elantra. I keep thinking that this is poking the bear. I don't know. 
he is super smart. So why is he doing these things? Okay, further review indicated that the 8458 phone utilized cellular resources on November 13th that are consistent with the phone leaving the area of Brian's residence at approximately 9 a.m. and traveling to Moscow, Idaho. Specifically, the 8458 phone utilized cellular resources that would provide coverage to the King Road residents between 9.12 and 9.21 a.m. And we know it was 8 a.m. that was a call put in, and here this phone is in the area at 9.12 to 9.21 a.m. The phone next utilized cellular resources that are consistent with the 8458 phone traveling back to the area of the Coburger residence and arriving to the area at approximately 9.32 a.m. Below is a depiction, not to scale, of the possible route. So again, here's kind of like the route of what was taken. Okay, so it was a little bit different there, but yeah. <coughs> okay, here we go. Investigators found that his phone did connect to a cell phone tower that provides service to Moscow on November 14th, but investigators do not believe 8458 phone was in Moscow on that date. The 8458 phone has not connected to any towers that provide service to Moscow since that date. So it's never been back there, that phone. We don't know about him, but not the phone. Invest, okay, uh, based on my training experience and the facts of the investigation thus far, I believe that Koberger, the user of the 8458 phone, was likely the driver of the white Elantra that is observed departing Pullman, Washington, and that this vehicle is like, likely suspect vehicle one. Additionally, the route of travel of the 8458 phone during the early morning hours of November 13, 2022, and the lack of the 8458 phone reporting to AT&T between 2.47 and 4.48 a.m. is consistent with Koberger attempting to conceal his location during the quadruple homicide that occurred at the King Road residence. On December 23rd, 2022, I was granted a search warrant for Koberger's historical CSLI from June 23rd to current prospective location information and a pen register trap and trace on the 845M phone to aid in efforts to determine if Brian stalked any of the victims in this case prior to the offense. Conducted surveillance on the King Road residence, was in contact with any of the victims associated before or after the alleged offense, any locations that may contain evidence of the murders that occurred on November 13th, the location of the white Elantra registered to Koberger, as well as the location of Koberger. On December 23rd, pursuant to the search warrant, I received historical records from AT&T from the time the account was opened in June. After consulting with CAST, Special agent, I was able to determine estimated locations for that phone from June to, to, to present, the time period authorized by the court. The records for the phone show the phone utilizing cellular resources that provide coverage to the area of 1122 King Road on at least 12 occasions prior to November 13th. All of these occasions, except for one, occurred in the late evening and early morning hours of their respective days. One of these occasions on August 21st, that's the day that he got pulled over, uh, the phone utilized cellular resources providing coverage to the King Road residents from approximately 10.34 p.m. to 11.35 p.m. At approximately 11.37 p.m., Coburg was stopped by Latok County Sheriff's deputy. As mentioned above, the 8548 phone was utilized cellular, utilizing cellular resources consistent with the location of the traffic stop during this time. He sure gets pulled over a lot, doesn't he? 
Further analysis of the cellular data provided showed that the 8458 phone utilized cellular resources on November 13th, consistent with the phone traveling from Pullman to Lewiston, Idaho via US Highway 195. At approximately 12.36 p.m., the phone utilized cellular resources that would provide coverage to Kate's Cup of Joe Coffee standing uh, coffee stand located at 810 Port Drive, Clarkston, Washington. Surveillance footage from the U.S. Chef's store located at 820 Port Drive, Clarkson, Washington, and adjacent to Kate's Cup of Joe showed a white Elantra consistent with his vehicle drive past Kate's Cup of Joe at a time consistent with cellular data from the phone. At approximately 1246, the phone um, used cellular data at Albertson's grocery store in Clarkston. Surveillance footage obtained from Albertson showed Koberger exit the white Elantra consistent with the suspect vehicle one at approximately 12.49 p.m. Interior surveillance camera showed Koberger walk through the store, purchase unknown items at the checkout, and leave at approximately 104. Koberger's possible path of travel is depicted and below not to scale, and it's like, it's crazy pants. It's hard to see. Additional analysis of records for the 8458 phone indicated that between approximately 5.32 and 5.36 p.m., the phone utilized cellular resources that provided coverage to Johnston, Idaho. Sorry, Johnson, not Johnston. The 845 phone then stops reporting to the network for approximately from approximately 5.36 to 8.30 p.m. That is consistent with the phone being in the area and the phone traveled in the hours immediately followed the suspect's suspected time the homicides occurred aren't you aren't you intrigued that his cell phone pings would be even shown i mean i know some some people are saying well you know people wouldn't do this and people do that but um this is interesting to me that he would choose that because I, I feel like he, he i don't i don't think he accidentally forgot to to bring his phone you know there's this interesting on december 27th 2022, Pennsylvania agents recovered the trash from the Koberger family residence located in Albrightsville. I love this part. It's my favorite part. The evidence was sent to the Idaho State Lab for testing. On December 28, 2022, the Idaho State Lab reported that a DNA profile obtained from the trash and the DNA profile obtained from the sheath identified a male as not being excluded as the biological father of suspect profile. At least 99.9998% of the male population would be expected to be excluded from the possibility of being the suspect's biological father. In essence, they went, they went to the trash, they got something, matched the DNA to Brian's dad. And Brian's dad showed that it's Brian's dad and that Brian's dad is the father of the suspect the suspect's DNA found at the crime scene. This is where I love this stuff. Now, I was wondering if that's how they obtained it um, or they possibly could have been working on, um, like depending, they got it on December 27th, right? The DNA. So they could be have been working on the genealogy, the forensic genealogy, genealogy. So they're creating a tree while they're waiting for all this stuff to get, you know, um, um, DNA from elsewhere. But I know that there were uncles that was reported in, I think it was Nancy Grace or one of them, that there was uncles that were in the system because they went to jail or they they had a crime they had a they had a crime criminal history i should say and so 
I was curious about this, that they were working on a family tree, so to speak, while they were trying to get this other stuff and, and lock down who it is. And um, and that's how they also busted him because it's fascinating. You know, it's funny. I've read nine, 18 pages to you guys, 18 pages to you guys. And I have my readers right here. <laughs> and I've been struggling the whole time. Hello. Okay. So, um, this is interesting. So it says, based on the above information, I'm requesting an arrest warrant be issued for Brian C. Koberger, date of birth, November 21st, 1994, for burglary at 1122 King Street in Moscow, Idaho, and four counts of murder in the first degree for the murders of Madison Mogan, Kaylee Gonzalez, Zana Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin. I declare under penalty of perjury pursuant to the law of state of Idaho that the foregoing is true and correct, dated December 29th, 2022. So, um, and then I'm told that the next status hearing is in one week. Now I have a few minutes to answer some questions and go through it. Whoops. Okay, that's just my, my wake up. Wake up, Linda, it's time to finish off. What is surprising to you? What is not surprising to you? What uh, are you curious about? What um, what do you want to know more about? Um, She's so Cheryl says, I was so surprised that they made an arrest so quickly. I thought it would take several months to a year. Well, how beautiful is that? He made mistakes. And thank God he did. I was thinking, remember there was reports of their hands being wrapped um, from forensics. I was praying. I was like, come on. I hope somebody scratched the crap out of them and has their DNA all over them, all over them, you know, that way. Um, that's a good question. Has he done this before? Don't, <laughs> Joey says, that's okay, Linda, I did the same thing. I know. I have, I have these here. These are my readers, okay? super nerdy and I could have been like happily reading but then I have to take it off like this so now I understand why people go like this all the time because you can't see worth you know what okay um can't believe he saw the roommate she saw him I don't know love to know about the DNA that's coming nice to see you <laughs> Why would the not, roommate not call the police about the intruder? Okay, so so I think a lot of people were asking this question. At first, I thought that too. But then I'm thinking, okay, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know if the guy left or not, for sure. Um, maybe they didn't. she didn't have the phone with her. I don't know. That's going to be a big question. But if, if that was me in there, I don't know how I would react when it's actually happening. But my thought was I would be scared for sure. And um, maybe she locked herself in there until she could get out. I don't know. His trip back to the scene looking for the sheaf. Good question. Yes, um, Katz, exactly. I, I was reading that also from one of the experts. He waived his right to extradition so he could get back and find out what they had on him. He's playing this even now. I'm so curious at these little things little things that are adding up that he's made mistakes or are they mistakes? You know, is he doing something? 
uh, purposely, especially with the comment, oh, did they arrest anybody else? I don't think that was out of fear. Whoa, what's going on? All of a sudden, I'm getting all these things. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, it's okay. I'm here to help you is freaking keep creepy. That is creepy. If that was him, she heard a guy's voice. I mean, I don't, I can't see Ethan saying something like that unless maybe unless he was last right um um the burglary charge it's a felony burglary charge so basically breaking in with the intent to commit murder Um, this is interesting. Dana Christine Smithers has been reported missing since May 28th, which was last seen. I'm screenshotting that. Thank you very much. Do we understand that he drove to Lewiston after crime? Big Rivers joined up at Lewiston. Great place to chuck a weapon. Good point. I'm okay. So I'm surprised about the short timeline for the murders of four people. I'm surprised it was a little later than what we thought. So we thought it was between three and four, right? And it looks like it's between four and five. And I'm actually, it's actually interesting about Zana ordering food at four o'clock because that could have been, that could have. What's the word I'm looking for? Deterred him? And and my other question is, why that day? Why was it that day? DoorDash, that's the word. <laughs> skip. I knew I I knew it was that. I knew it was that before, but I couldn't remember. Yeah, the 911 call too. I don't know. Okay, so I don't know why. Um, maybe we'll hear further information about that, about the 911 call being in the morning. Um, we just don't know if she was locking herself up. She didn't have a way to the phone. Maybe her phone's dead. I, we don't know. Like, we just don't know, right? You're welcome, Maui girl. Thank you to my mods here today, too. Uh, I appreciate you. Sometimes I forget to say it, but I always appreciate it. Yeah, you caught me live. I can't be on live for very much longer. Of course, I have two appointments this afternoon that I have to get to, which is I mean, left me scrambling and totally hot mess and whatever. 
right? As soon as we get it out. Um, good question. Why them? Yeah, he'd been stalking them for weeks. It says we don't know yet, but they, like, they're saying 12 times. I have something in my back pocket that I'll bring out in a video. I'm not going to reveal it on this one until it's out in the video, but it's interesting as well. I think something there possibly. Yeah, there's no need to victim shame at all. Um, People don't know how other people process trauma. 100%. It's kind of like this. You think you're going to act one way and then you don't. And it surprises yourself. And we don't know the circumstance, right? Uh, but imagine how she's feeling now and her life could, could have been lost. And uh, this is very traumatic. And it is... I mean, even just somebody coming into your house and stealing a TV is super intrusive and it's hard to trust, right? It's just hard to, I mean, and, and this is just beyond anything. So I hope the, the surviving victims get the help they need because it is going to be a tough one. Uh, but this is interesting with the guy. Um, Uh, not possible college students aren't that far from their phone or charger you ridiculously negligent card and effing disgrace well we'll see we'll see what happens on that yes i don't no 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 we're so we're both surviving on the same room together no they were not in this same room together, is my understanding. So what I'll do is I will break this down and and categorize it as I normally do and then put it out for you guys so you can see because I do my timelines and the details. I already got one uh, almost complete and then this is just adding to it, which is great. And I'll show you visually. So if you haven't seen my channel or you haven't seen my videos, check it out. Check to see that I do very detailed timelines so that we can see what's going on. And then we start piecing things together. That's one of the things I do deep dives. I love code stuff. I haven't done code stuff in a while, but um, I'm going to, I, I take apart the crap out of it. Basically, I just rip into it and start start organizing the information it takes me a little bit longer than the average bear but uh it's worth it's worth it because then we can see exactly minute by minute what this guy did allegedly Pandora Spock says they found email text from Brian obsessive stuff to Kaylee would love to hear about that and how you know that and if you could email me if you have that information and it's legit at it's a crime and a shame at gmail.com. I want to thank some of you who have emailed me too and have my back and have sent me stuff and helped me out. I really super appreciate it. 
um, it's helped me a lot this week trying to dive in. I was on vacation for, well, it's the first vacation I've had in what, three years <laughs> that I didn't work. So. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I need eight of me to really dive in. Yep, this will be posted right after. Might take a minute to process once I'm done. Um, no release of the 9 call call that I know, and it probably won't for a while. <laughs> no, we'll break it down in it's a crime fashion. You're sweet. You guys are sweet. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys watching my videos. Hit the subscribe button. <laughs> um, looking forward to your timelines. Yeah. There's going to be another, there's going to be, I have two almost ready. This is going to top it up, but then I will start breaking this down. Paula, your emails bounce back. It's, it's a crime and a shame at gmail.com. Okay, there's another one. One stabbing a woman, think in Oregon, 2020, June 13, middle of the night. Then a year, two months stabbing, middle of the night, a man and woman in Washington, 2021, August 13th. Only, wow, lots of stuff going on. Well, they did say, I read today that they are going to be looking into other connections. Obviously, anyways, we know that. Um, how does a 28-year-old guy do this as his first rodeo, Right. Thanks. She's so Cheryl. I appreciate that. Um, I'm curious if he killed anyone else, considering there were many unsolved stabbings. The couple were the wife's survived 19 stab wounds, stab wounds and the woman and dog who were stabbed to death. Man, there's, <laughs> we'll see what, what happens. And um, it's just really bizarre to me. I wonder if he's setting it up so that I thought maybe he would represent himself or something. It's very odd to me, some of the behavior, if he's really planning it, um, unless it's just pure rage, as what the profilers are saying, right? Interlocution says, thank you for all your hard work and detailed breakdowns. Thank you. Thanks for the super chat. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, right. I had that in my last video. Brian was watched by police for weeks and he was out shopping, wearing gloves constantly everywhere he went, clearing clearly thought about going into the next morn to get the sheath, but knew he would be seen. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised. Surprised at a few things. Uh, Polar Paws says, I don't think he went in expecting to kill four. That's really weird, Paula, that you couldn't. That's very bizarre that it bounces back. I got him. 
I, I'm getting emails, so it's not, I, I'm not at capacity. That's really bizarre. I'll have to, I don't know. Have you, if you emailed me in the past, maybe I can see me sending it to you. Jacqueline says, I doubt he killed for the first time. <laughs> yeah, hit the like button, please, guys. That would be, uh, that most be appreciated. It sends it out to YouTube. And then that way, when I do do a video, the then YouTube will actually send out notifications. Because a lot of times you guys don't get notifications and it's frustrating for everybody involved. So if you do like my work, you do enjoy this, you that I brought this information to you, please do that. And then that helps out. Keeps me going. Um, just reading something here. Well, he was in, he was this morning in court. Next week, they're going to do a status, a status hearing. So we should know about that. And I mean, I will say this is a pretty, pretty decent document considering what we saw in the Delphi case. Yeah, I want to know about this too. This is, I, I want to know about this too. There's a few things that surprise me. So I'm wondering if he's a little cocky, which we kind of hear that he is because in class he even was saying with the um, Catherine Ramsland, he, he was even talking over her as if he knew more than her is what was reported. Yeah, hitting, hitting the like button is anonymous too. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, there was defensive wounds too that that they said, right? I just hope she scratched the crap out of them. So I'm I'm glad that you know even though seven weeks probably feels like a lifetime to the family members i'm glad that they they caught the guy uh the i think it was the chief he seemed pretty confident that they caught their guy sounds like there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff here plus the dna at the scene plus the sheath plus um a witness an eyewitness right even though he was wearing a coverage, but they saw, you know, up here. I mean, there's some good things. You guys sending love. I send love to you guys too. Happy New Year. This year is the year. 2022 can have itself. 2023 is where it's at. So you have lots of questions. So I encourage you to stick a lot of questions in the chat here, or if you're going to rewatch this, then, you know, um, feel free to do that so I can go through what some questions you have. Yeah, that is, that is crazy, isn't it? Grace is in the grind. <laughs> that is crazy. 
Yes, 2023, you guys. The eight hours calling the police. I, I mean, I'm, I think that's going to come out. We're going to find more in the trial. If it gets to that. What else? Interesting that he would bring his phone with him in the car. I'm, I'm so curious now about his mind about that. And he thought perhaps that he was super smart by doing the survey. <laughs> All right, so not smart, Brian. Yes, where are you? Oh, the whole thing, the whole thing is traumatic, right? Even if she was sleeping, it's traumatic. How do you even trust somebody coming in the house? Like, you just be on edge the whole time. I think it'll come out about the, the phone call. It'll come out. Um, we all thought she was on the first floor. In the video, I was, I was going, wait a minute, there's six bedrooms. Who's in the other bedroom, right? Yeah, yeah. Feel free to rewatch it in my process once I'm finished this. And then um, you guys can hear me read page for page. And then we will start to di dissect it and I will start to make sense of it so you guys can see exactly what was going on. All right. So thank you so much for watching. Click subscribe, click like. Check out my videos. I'm always doing a video. Like <laughs> I'm always working on one other than when I went to Aruba a couple weeks ago. But other than that, it's going to be a while before I go on a beach vacation. So I'm just... Uh, if you know you have a stalker, don't leave your windows wide open without coverings. It almost seems careless as if the attention was appreciated, but it was innocent on both parts. Let's be a lesson. I've had a stalker. It's not fun. Not fun at all. So, yeah, no court cam. Well, no court cams allowed in Idaho. They were able to be in Idaho. I read Brian Enton. Uh, he said that they he hasn't, but he had to wait till it was finished to get it up. It's just there's a court ban on Lori Daybell. Did I leave my windows open when you knew I had a stalker? No, I didn't. But mine was blatant, 
blatantly obvious. I don't know about their situation, but mine was blatantly obvious. And it took, I think it took me a couple months to get a, um, what do you call it? What do you call it? Restraining order. Kids don't go necessarily go buy drapery. It's true. They just use a blanket or whatever. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining me. We will talk soon and I'll see you in the next video. I have a few more to put out in the next couple of days and next week. All right. Thanks so much to my, um, to my, now I'm starting to gap out. I need to, I need to sleep. I've been up since four. <laughs> thank you to my mods. Thank you to my members hanging out in here. And thank you to the visitors and viewers. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.